0: SOTA CBD products are scientifically proven and dermatologist approved to help with insomnia, overexposure to outside environmental elements, and other inflammatory issues. Scientific research is the starting point for every product they make, and SOTA products are formulated to specifically address sleep and anxiety, environmental damage, as well as inflammation and pain, both systemically and topically. SOTA CBD is purposeful in providing scientifically studied ingredients that are proven to work, and then infused with CBD to target very specific disease states that many face every day. Go ahead, use coupon code Genius, all one word, for a 25% discount at checkout. Visit sotacbd.com to shop now. Use code FINDINGGENIUS
1: are real geniuses richard jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you he hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field sleep science cancer stem cells ketogenic diets and more here come the geniuses this is the finding genius podcast with richard jacobs hello this is richard
0: jacobs with the finding genius podcast i've got a great guest today uh, robert ginsburg He's a vice president and founder of the Forever Family Foundation. Uh, he's the author of *The Medium Explosion*. We're going to talk about a very unusual topic today: evidence for an afterlife. There was a Netflix docu-series called *Surviving Death* that I watched. He's the one that, that you know was instrumental in putting it together. So I want to ask him about that. Uh, I think it'll be a great, great call. So, Robert, thanks for coming.
2: Thanks, uh, Richard. It's uh, my pleasure to be with you today.
0: Yeah, this, it's a very unusual topic. I'm sure you've got a very interesting backstory on how you came to look at what happens after death and what mediums do, et cetera what's what's the background of this?
2: Well, if we go back in time about twenty years, you know, my, my thoughts on the subject were very, very different. I mean, I was a logical left brain thinker. I had a materialistic view of the way the universe worked and, you know, people after the death of my daughter and I started to search to see if there was any credible evidence if there were medical doctors and scientists and researchers that had you know, some real evidence that our consciousness could survive physical death. You know, to me, it was a hard concept because, I mean, I said, what could possibly survive? I thought the term was kind of silly because I thought that we were our brains of produced consciousness. And when our brains are no more, uh, we're no more. And that's it. Final. We're extinguished forever. And what I learned um, in talking with um, various people at major universities, medical doctors and scientists was that there is a lot of evidence and a lot of it goes unknown to the not only to the general public but even in the scientific community people just refuse to become familiar with the evidence because it challenges everything that they were educated to to believe so that evidence comes in you know many different forms it comes in you know near death experiences and end of life you know experiences uh, deathbed visions uh, you know reincarnation mediumship and after death communications, electronic voice phenomena. So, but what I would say is that it's easy. Well, it's not that easy, but a lot of people find it easy to, to dismiss any one discipline of research. But when you step back and you examine everything as a whole, then survival of consciousness makes a lot of sense. It's probably the best explanation.
0: What were some of the things that you encountered early on that really shook your belief system?
2: You know, my personal story was that, you know, on a night of September 1st, 2002, in the early morning hours, about 3 a.m., my wife was trembling in bed. She just was wide awake and she was ashen white and she was trembling. Asked, so what's the matter? And she said, something horrible is going to happen today. And I said, well, you know, what does that mean? She said, something devastating is going to happen today. I can't tell you exactly what. And, you know, to make a long story short, I letting my guard down um, at night after watching over my three kids throughout the day. And my son and my daughter were in a car accident. My daughter didn't survive and my son had very serious injuries. And after my son, it was clear that he was going to recover. And I started to emerge from the state of shock. I said, wait a second. I said, how did my wife know? I mean, how did Fran know? Because I saw her, there was no question in that that she knew something was going to happen. I started, that's when I started my search to find out how she knew um, and then of course I wanted to know the questions that a lot of people want to know is do, does my loved one still survive in some form and are they okay? So, you know, one thing, you know, led to another. I started reading, you know, book after book, you know, I. Probably have read over a thousand books on the subject to date. Um, I started interviewing everybody that I possibly could, and I was amazed that our minds can act independently of our physical brains. And that that starts off with examining uh, intuition and ESP and telepathy and remote viewing and things of that nature.
0: First of all, I'm, I'm very sorry for you know your loss and what happened to you. I just wanted to acknowledge that it's terrible. You know, I have children myself, and I would never want anything like this to happen to them. If we just fast forward for a moment, you put all your new beliefs together, where do you think where do you think your your daughter has gone if it if it's okay to talk about it if not it's okay, but if oh, you sure. know,
2: uh, yeah, I mean absolutely i mean that's that's what we do, and you know for the family foundation is what we encourage you know talking and discussing about these things. I believed it took me i would say Richard, it probably took me about seven or eight years to fully get to that knowing stayed. I just relented under the weight of the evidence. I think that my daughter uh, is in a place where we go after bodily death, another dimension. That's a dimension of thought and energy. But what's interesting is that the evidence seems to suggest through people that have had near-death experiences and mediumship and so forth, that not only do we survive our physical death, but we retain personality and memory. So our consciousness, and some people Prefer to call consciousness, you know, mind or soul, but something does survive and move to another, whether you want to call it a dimension or a sphere or another field, but it goes somewhere. And that's where I've come to believe today. The thing is that people that come to believe that we do survive a physical death um, do better in their grief than those who don't. And, you know, some people, you know, it's just blind faith because their religion or their cultural influences and, you know, or the media and you know, educators, you know, tell or talk about this other place that we go. But for others like myself, I mean, that that was not enough. I mean, I needed the evidence. And once I was convinced that the evidence was real, that affected me in a positive way in, in my grief.
0: So the CBD products are formulated with scientifically proven and all natural ingredients that a dermatologist approved to help with improving sleep, and inflammatory skin diseases to support overall wellness. They're offering our listeners a generous 25% off their first purchase. Use coupon code FINDINGGENIUS, no spaces in there, one word, FINDINGGENIUS to save 25% at checkout site-wide. To do so, visit sotacbd.com. That's s o t a c b d.com. Oh, well, uh, yeah, excellent. So it wasn't any one thing that that was a straw that broke the camel's back in terms of belief for you, but you know, in all your interviews and surveys and topics and everything, what what was the most impactful things that you saw that, again, you were like, this is crazy, wow, you know, but it, it pushed you further along on the continuum of belief?
2: Yeah, well, you know, probably it really didn't have anything to do with the afterlife. It had more to do with our mind extending beyond the body. But I did a, a remote viewing uh, experiment myself where remote viewing is, is um, the process by which certain people can for lack of a better term, send their consciousness out to a distant target, and then describe that target and draw accurate pictures. The CIA was engaged uh, with remote viewers in, in a Stargate program, which is now declassified, but it was during the Cold War. And that's how we used to spy on the Russians. So I mean, I did a simple experiment where I send out to the membership in the foundation, I told everybody that, for five consecutive days for at a, uh, at exactly nine PM Eastern time, I was going to draw a picture and I told people to, I was going to draw a different picture each night and people should just try to tune in and get, you know, try to write down what they think I'm drawing. Um, And at the end of the five nights to send physically mail them into me so we can examine them and compare it to my drawings. And, you know, a lot of the responses started coming in and frankly, they were disappointing. I mean, yeah, maybe I could stretch a couple of things, but I wasn't convinced that anybody really could do it. And then one envelope came in from a woman in Bend, Oregon. It was the last envelope that came in and, she nailed two of the drawings were identical to what I drew to the point where one day I even said, I'm not going to draw a picture. I'm going to draw a geometric shape, which was a dot with concentric circles around it. And, Mm. uh, and she nailed that, you know, exactly. And that blew my mind because first of all, time and space don't seem to matter because I drew that picture on Friday She drew it on Thursday, which, of course, raises the question of who's remote viewing who, uh, you know, but what was significant about this experiment was that here I am, you know, my brain is in my skull. And I was located in New York at the time. This woman is 3000 miles away in Oregon, you know, on the West Coast. And yet. We were communicating, you know. I mean, you know, she was able to travel to send her mind to my location, see what I was drawing. So that that was the first step. Because if you believe that our minds can extend beyond the brain, then the question of survival of consciousness is not that far fetched. A matter of fact, it becomes logical. And then there were certain experiences that were happening that could not be explained in physical terms. Uh, There was one time I try to make this short, but we started to have. this set cadence, like I called it a Morse code, that kept happening in our cars, whether the car radio was on or off, it came out of TV sets, it came out of microwaves, it came out of alarm panels. I mean, it was just crazy, the same exact da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So uh, I had a scientist come to New York and he was doing a lecture for us at one of the local universities and about 500 people in the audience. And I told him about this in the middle of the lecture, all of a sudden there comes that code that dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so he just stopped and just oh, wow. this guy. So then he said, uh, cause he was doing mediumship research with uh, research mediums. So he said to to my wife and I said, I said to my wife, you know, I want you to ask Bailey, that was our deceased daughter, if this is, in fact, she, her, that's sending this Morse code. And what I want you to do, I'm working with this medium in my laboratory. And, you know, her name is Janet Mayer. Of course, I didn't know who she was. And my wife didn't know she was. So my wife lit a candle and said to my daughter, you know, Bailey, I need you to do something for me. I need you to go to this medium. All I know is her name is Janet. It's all I know. And let her know if you're sending this code. And the next morning, I go into my office and I get a an email from the scientist, which is in a forward of the email that he just got from Janet, and it said, I have no idea what this is. I've never experienced anything like this before, but somebody is sending me Morse code. That to me was um incredible. <laughs> you know, I don't know whether you could say that that's proof of an afterlife, but whatever it was, it was astounding because it's something that I didn't read about, I just experienced it first hand. And if you could rule out the possibility that of fraud that somehow the scientist was in cahoots with the medium. And I've later learned the medium is extraordinarily ethical or would never do anything like that. That led me to just investigate more and more and more. And it gave me, frankly, it gave me a lot of hope and comfort that this is possible.
0: When you've shown some of these stories or evidence to people that are of a certain faith, and based on all the totality of the evidence you've seen, Does afterlife experiences follow a Christian narrative or a Buddhist narrative or a Muslim narrative, or does it not seem to follow any of them?
2: Well, you know, religion complicates this a lot because a lot of religions say that a thousand years ago, you know, the people communicated, you know, within the religion with their ancestors on a regular basis, but... You know, rules came about and dogma and it was okay for them to do it, but you should not do it because it, it it's forbidden. And, you know, we noticed that even after we started the foundation, we would get calls in the office and people would be whispering and you'd try to ask them to speak up a little bit and they wouldn't because they lived in the Bible Belt and, you know, God forbid that somebody would he overhear them talk about these things you know um so huh. and and it's not only that uh, you know the the scientists on our board many of them um have been chastised and kind of persecuted by their colleagues you know uh and it's they paid the price uh, they don't get their work uh, published in peer reviewed journals i mean they get uh, don't get invited to conferences and so forth. They don't get, you know, grants. Um, so it's it's still a, a stigma attached to it because it doesn't conform with, uh, uh, you know, materialist reductionist thinking. But it's actually, I, I see it opening up a bit now. There's more and more acceptance and you know what we try to tell people to do is you know obviously we don't try to convince anybody we tell them about the established research we tell them about personal experiences that people have and we encourage them to discuss these things if they have something that happened to them which we might call an after-death communication you know don't feel bad about talking uh, to your family or your friends and so forth and let them form their own opinion
0: yeah it makes a lot of sense um have you looked into unusual premonitions? Like you said, your wife had this this super strong premonition that was obviously before the bad event happened. Yeah, But have you looked at that side of the coin much or has the focus been really only after death mostly?
2: Oh, no. I mean, we're interested in all that stuff. I mean, of course, you know, when somebody has that kind of a vision or a premonition, um, the question then becomes, um, was somebody, um, was a discarnate source trying to give my my wife a message um that was one possibility or do some people just have the ability to um to get a glimpse uh pre pre-cog- precognitive event of something that that's going to happen or likely to happen uh and that that's been the search i still in in our case i am open to both possibilities you know i mean i I tend to think that somebody was trying to send um, us a message or her a message, but people report these precognitive things to us all the time. I mean, you read about it. I mean, events happen like in 9-11 and you start reading all the backstories of people for unknown reasons, didn't go to work that day or decided to, you know, to take a break or, you know, and then, you, you know, with air travel and so forth, uh, uh, before crashes, you, you, you um, especially in a lot of disasters, disasters you don't hear it as much when good things happen, but when bad things happen, people seem to get, they'll call it a gut feeling, but they, there are these fields of information and some people are better than others in, in picking up uh you know, pulling out data from, the, from this information.
0: Yeah, if it's okay, I just want to share with you one experience my wife had. That's
2: yeah, sure. Um,
0: so we had moved and, you know, my son at the time was very little. He was, I think, three, two or three. And we were at a, a like a roadside cafe and he was walking around. And my wife said she heard a voice in her head that said, pick him up. And she didn't listen. And then the voice came and demanded, pick him up now. And she did. And a car came whizzing past like, seconds later and it might have hit him it looked like or she thinks it would have hit him and she says that the voice wasn't male or female she no one was there speaking to her it just was in her head and she said it was like an irresistible demand to do it the second time she heard it and she doesn't know what to credit it but that was her amazing experience
2: yeah and it is amazing and and it's also more common than you think um people you know hear uh Sometimes they'll actually hear it, you know, verbally. Most of the time it's through thought and it's powerful and they just have to follow it because they know that uh, something is being said. So, so again, it's the same situation. Um, you know, uh, you know, was your wife having a precognitive moment or because she's hearing that voice, you would tend to think, no, that this is a message that's being sent. Then you might say, well, was this a message from a, another you know from a living source or a discarnate source and then you m- maybe a discarnate source would be better able to see what was going to un- unfold you know so a lot of people will say that must be from a you know a message uh sent from somebody that no longer resides in the physical world um, but yeah we see that we hear that all the time there there are also people that they're in a car accident and they actually see a vision of somebody that helps them and then after the help is given that that entity just disappears and nobody else ever saw them and you know some people would describe that as a visitation or you know but um uh, you know you can't explain in the physical terms you know maybe you can in spiritual terms
0: <laughs> so what when other people see these various types of evidence, what what have you noticed? Which one seems to be the most compelling to people that pulls them in the direction of belief and which ones seem to be weaker or people are like more suspicious about?
2: Well, you know, I mean, the, the book that you referenced that I wrote, The Medium Explosion. I mean, I wrote that because, you know, as I state in the book, my experience after, you know, evaluating these mediums and, and the controlled conditions since 2005 is that. 85 to 90 percent of the mediums, mediums being people that claim they're able to communicate um, with the dead, um, can't do what they claim, you know, only 10 to 15 percent really can. And it's not to say that they're all fraudulent, although some of them are, it's just that they have some intuitive ability, as do we all in varying degrees, but they have very little ability in, in providing evidence, you know, from, from a discarnate source. So, and now because of you know it wasn't like it was fifty years ago now we have Zoom and we have the internet and mediums because of covid are not doing uh uh readings face to face with people but doing it via the internet on on platforms like zoom and you know and we we heard of a medium recently that was doing a reading for somebody. And and while she was doing the reading on her laptop, she had the person's Facebook page open and was just spitting back all the information that she learned about the person on Facebook. So the, right. the, the sitter, the person that's getting the reading is sitting there going, wow, this medium is amazing. She's giving me all this information. And it, of course it was a total fraud, you know. But then again, Certain mediums, and you know a lot of the mediums that we've certified over the years have gone on to fame and fortune, but um some of them are incredible and you know they're ninety to ninety five percent accurate in all the information that they give information that the sitter didn't even know themselves you know in many cases, which kind of dispels the the uh, criticism that mediums are only reading you know the sitter's mind so mediumship is a is a um, you know, when it's evidential and extremely specific can be a a powerful, you know, form of of evidence. I think near-death experiences are, for me, were um, the most evidential because you have people that meet every definition that medical science has of death. I mean, they have no brain waves, they have no respiration, they have no heartbeat, they have no reflexes, you know, they're dead, as far as, you know, science can tell us. And yet they report having these clear clear and lucid experiences um, which you wouldn't expect from a dying brain um, you know uh, and you can't explain it by as a lot of people do by a lack of oxygen because you know if if you're around people that you know like fighter pilots that have anoxia or you know a lack of oxygen it's anything but clear and lucid thinking they're thrashing about i mean they're you know sometimes they're, they're even violent they're they have no you know clear thinking and yet people have near-death experiences and then get resuscitated, report, you know, being, thinking clearer than they ever thought before. And, And some report having conversations with deceased loved ones or, um, um, and they describe the environment that they're in, you know, and and so forth. There are a lot of commonalities, you know. Uh, but to me, you know, and also they leave their bodies and they have a different vantage point. And they can come back and give you evidence of what they saw while they were dead in an operating room. And they see everything that was going on and here was going on. What was going on and sometimes even being outside the hospital setting and telling you what was going on there so that shows you that our consciousness is going someplace when the physical body is is not active
0: yeah i've seen a lot of those near-death stories and they're amazing how can people know and see these things that would be impossible even for someone you know in some cases that was awake so yeah 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 it is again you said that people of certain religions You know, have contacted you and they're afraid to say anything against their religious dogma. But what's your overall sense of of what happens to death? Do you think that any, any particular religion in the world is right? Are they all right? They're just seeing different facets of the same thing? Like, what is your big synopsis of seeing all this stuff?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, well, again, well, again, from near death experiences, a lot of them talk about having a life review and, and in that life review, like a movie reel it gets played everything that they've ever done, and they get to experience the hurt that they imposed upon others, and it evidently is not a, a very pleasant feeling because you're feeling the harm that you caused. On the other end of it, you also feel the joy and elation and the compassion and the love that you bestowed upon others. So the theory is that when we go to the this other side, so to speak, there's no judge or jury or panel that says you go here or you go there. Everything is self-judged. It's all self-judgment. and So people of like mind probably wind up in, in a dimension of like-minded people. But they don't stay there. In other words, they may stay there longer than other people. But there's a continuum of growth, you know, as they as they move on. So I think that's where you know religion might say, okay, no, there's there's a deity that says you go here or you go there, and or you're doomed here for an eternity. The evidence doesn't seem to point in that direction.
0: Again, do you think the? I don't know. Like, do you think any of the religions are correct, or they're all correct, or they're all wrong, or they're all slightly off?
2: I think that. I mean, they're correct in the fact that we that we move on, you know in a continuum of life, I think they're incorrect, you know, portraying a life sitting on a cloud with a harp plane you know i mean I, I think that's where they go wrong. I think that most religions, not all i mean like the the Eastern religions tend to believe that when we die, we do continue on, but we get merged into the greater consciousness, so we we lose our Identity we don't have memories you know stored, and so forth. that's not what I believe based on the evidence. I think that it's clear that personality does survive and memories do survive. you know whether they saw you know they survive in perpetuity, I don't know, but certainly for quite a long time that they do so I think that's where. I think the religions, look, all religions are based on the same principles of, of love and compassion. I think where they stray is that everybody seems to have a different rule, and then you get into, you know, which God is better than than the other. But, you know, I, I think there's a big difference between religion and spirituality. You know, I mean, I like to think of spirituality as religion without rules, you know, just based on the same principles. But almost all religions believe that we go someplace, you know, other, that's the only way that this physical life makes sense.
0: No, that's true. That's true. But what do you think allows or doesn't allow people that have passed on to communicate with the living? What do you think modulates that? I know it's a really hard question, but yeah, what, it, it,
2: it's a good question. It gets, you know, asked a lot because, you know, some people, and cause we're among these people, you know, constantly, and some people seem to get all these signs and communications on a regular basis And others, you know, don't. Some people in the spirit realm, so to speak, seem to be better communicators than others. Some people are so, you know, caught up in their grief that they wouldn't recognize a a sign, you know. You know, if they saw one, you know, it's the same thing. You know, with mediums, some people. Go to a medium and a tremendous reading that's full of evidence, and they recommend that medium to their friend, and their friend goes and their friend gets nothing. You know, maybe the person in spirit doesn't want to communicate, you know, through that medium. You know, when it comes to mediumship, I think there's a re- has to be a resonance of three parties, you know, the person in spirit, and then the, the medium, and then the sitter, the person getting the reading. And if it's not meshing, or, or you know, I don't know whether it has to do with frequency or resonance or w- what it is exactly. But it's a tricky process that doesn't always take place. But it, it is perplexing how some people are more inclined to get these communications than others. I mean, I haven't been able to figure it out after all these years.
0: The communications themselves, though they siloed into specific types of communications or are they infinitely varied seeming? Is there any yeah. predominant yeah. types?
2: Well, well, for instance, I'd say the most common form of communication is a dream visitation. We're in that REM stage of sleep and our chatter mind is set aside and people in another dimension see a conduit. To impress their thoughts and get through, and people describe these dream visitations as being nothing like so-called regular dreams. I mean, in these dreams, they can talk with their deceased loved one, they can hug them, sometimes they could kiss them, they could smell them, and you know they wake up and they, unlike a regular dream, they remember these dreams um, in great detail and they don't forget them, and they could be you know extremely you know powerful. So I mean that there are all sorts of synchronicities you know, that happen, you know, there are people are thinking of their loved one and they look up and they see the, the car in front of them has a, a license plate that, you know, with their loved one's name on it, you know, or the thinking of them and a piece of particular piece of music that normally doesn't get played, you know, comes on the radio, this is, you know, animals, you know, that come by or things that, are out of the ordinary. So I think the way to recognize a communication, I counsel people that not everything is a sign. I'm one of those people that doesn't believe that, you know, it's often said that there are no coincidences. I think surely there are. Not everything is, you know, is predetermined. But if you can, the true experiences, the true communications come with this indescribable sense of knowing, like when it happens, you just know that's your loved one, you, know? and you know I have sometimes I'll be at these retreats that we run, and people say, "Well, you know i my loved one sends me you know pennies, and that's how I know it's them, well, you know, I try not to butt burst their bubble, but I mean, let's face it, you know pennies are devalued currency i don't even pick one up if i drop one yeah you're gonna find pennies (laughs) you know so that may not be a sign from your loved one but some signs are truly profound and you know and it's hard to to say otherwise so it's something that you know these after death communications have been occurring occurring you know since the dawn of man and people find them very comforting
0: yeah no that's true what is the future of your work and what is the you know is it just more widespread acceptance of these phenomena? Is there a particular study that needs to be done that needs to be allowed, and unleashed and published? Like What what needs to happen to, to really help people and give them an understanding as best we can?
2: You know, we have to change worldview about death. I firmly believed for many, many years that, you know, science is the key, that, you know, science is going to prove an afterlife. I'm not so sure now. I think that, the only way that we may be able to change worldview is by this anecdotal evidence versus the scientific evidence. I mean, it's out there. I mean, there's this there's tremendous amount of research on, on some of the things we're to- we've been talking about near death experiences and past life memories of children and, and these deathbed visions and so forth. I think that the real progress in this area is going to come from people just sharing what they learn and and sharing the experiences that they have, because then it becomes more accepted. And then when things become more accepted, and it's okay to talk about these things, maybe some of this funding in the scientific community will manifest itself. And we will, you know, prove it through science. But uh, right now, nobody can really tell you what consciousness is. (laughs) After all these, everybody's got a theory, but nobody's been able to to truly define what it is.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Are there any areas that you think are the least explored that are really the most, like which areas make you burn with curiosity? Which ones do you really want to know more about that just, I don't know, they just appeal to you for some reason?
2: Well, you know, there are very few of these disciplines of research that have tangible evidence that we can perceive with our physical S- senses. Electronic voice phenomena is really intriguing to me because we don't know how it's done, but it appears that certain people in the, in the afterlife realm can imprint their voices on, on a recording device and you don't hear it live while it's happening, but when you play it back, you can hear it. Now, That doesn't happen all the time. Some people experiment with it for a year or two without getting anything. And then all of a sudden they start getting some. I could tell you that there's a a medium that's associated with our foundation. And she was friendly with my wife. And unrelated to mediumship, her hobby is doing electronic voice phenomena. So after my wife passed in 2020, she told me that she was going to ask my wife seven questions once a week. And then turn on her recorder. And then she would send me the audio files. In one session, she asked my wife, What's the name of the organization that you founded? And then you hear on the tape, you know, faintly but clearly, Forever Family Foundation. In another recording, Janet knew that it was my birthday. And then she said to my wife, Fran, Do you have any message for Bob? And you heard, Happy birthday. So those things are, you know, I consider it to be, I know there's no fraud involved. I heard it, you know, clearly go with the assumption that that was my wife getting messages to me. And it's something that I have evidence for, you know, it's, I could play it back. So I think that's really intriguing. And, I, you know, I think more people should try to experiment with that. But, you know, a lot of these things we talk about and you read about, but it doesn't really hit home until you experience it for yourself.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Have you had experiences where someone will tell a loved one they haven't passed yet? You know, when you go signal me in this way, and has it happened after the person passed? Or do those wishes usually fall flat?
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, before my daughter passed, my daughter was 15 when she passed, but I found out later that she made a pact with her best friend when they were 13 years old. And the pact was... If either one of them were to die, that they would make up a sign to we, you know, to communicate to the other one, so the so the friend would know that they still survive. Yeah, I, know. I mean, what thirteen year old does that? I don't know. My daughter did, um, and that, that's kind of an interesting story because I didn't know this until way after. But after my daughter's funeral, her best friend came over the house and had a talk with my wife and, and she told her about this pact that, that she had made with my daughter. And she says my daughter's sign for her was that she was going to take a blue magic marker and leave it in an unusual place. And, and she related that it, when she came home from the funeral, she walked into her bedroom and neatly you know, placed on her computer keyboard was a blue magic marker. Uh, And what made it significant is that she didn't own one. She had never, you know, used one before in her home. So, you know, people make up, but you're right. You hit on something is that a lot of people have made these signs with their loved ones. And I don't know the reason, but um, they're rarely communicated. A sign that when my wife got really sick, she made up a sign that she was going to leave for my my other daughter. And then we've yet to receive that, which is very distressing to my daughter. But then I realized, you know, my wife was so sick and suffering at the end. What makes us think that if she made a pact under those conditions, that she would remember it, you know, when she passed over, you know, because Mm. she was already compromised in the the physical when she made the sign. And I think that may apply to a lot of people. Yeah, this last question
0: or two, I know you have to go very soon how do you see people think about death after they've had you know one or multiple of these experiences that have changed their perception once they kind of believe in some of this stuff does it ease their fear of death or does it change it what happens
2: yeah absolutely there's um th- there have now been many clinical studies that have been published in peer reviewed journals that show unequivocally that people who believe um, in life after death do better in the grief than those who don't. And that doesn't seem like rocket science to me. I mean, what could give you more hope than the belief that they're not really dead, you know, that they still exist in some form. We see, like you you mentioned, the Netflix series, and we let them film one of our retreats, you know, in, in Connecticut. When you see people come in, you know, on Friday afternoon, and they're in deep grief and they could barely talk and you know they would never think of smiling and then you watch them at the end of the sunday night and you have people laughing and and then some of the effects are are long-lasting transforming i mean not to say that it's going to make your grief go away i mean that that's absurd but they certainly do better with renewed meaning and purpose to to move on and, and or i shouldn't say move on but navigate this new life that they've been thrust into so yes there's a direct correlation between these things, mediumship and all these other after death communications, you know, to doing better in your grief. And now we're contacted by quite an, a lot of mental health professionals integrate these afterlife concepts into their, their treatment protocols and including, you know, mediumship.
0: Well, very good. Um, what kind of resources do you have for people that are listening? What, should they watch the Netflix series first. Uh, should they read your book? What do you recommend?
2: Well, I mean, if they go to our website, which is foreverfamilyfoundation.org, there's a lot of information about grief, about you know, afterlife science and so forth. That's a good place to start. Um, I think the Netflix Surviving Death series is good because it has um, some of the segments are better than others, but, it, but some of the segments are devoted to the things we've been talking about. You could learn more. We've also you know, I've been interviewing these people since 2005 in the field. So if uh, people go to the website, and they click on Signs of Life radio, all the interviews going back all those years are archived. So if you read a book, or you learn about somebody, and you want to learn more chances are that we've been over the years. uh, And then, you know, we have these grief retreats, and we have webinars and all these things. So I encourage people to get abroad, be exposed to all these things and form their own opinions.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking, I know it's you know, probably in bad taste to make a joke, but it would be kind of ironic over these past two years that people were afraid to meet up because they fear death, even though they, they're there to learn about what happens after death. But uh, <laughs> I hope you're having in-person meetings nowadays.
2: You know, but you're back in the day. None of you mentioned that. You know, when, before I, I even believed in any of the stuff, we used to. My wife and I used to go to a grief support group. You know, for parents of lost children, and I was already. We were both kind of interested in in this subject matter. So every time in the group that we brought up the subject of an afterlife, that moderator would shut us down. We don't talk about such things here. You know, where we just teach about people how to coping mechanisms, and we always thought that was really odd because. All the people in the group, all the parents, it's all they wanted to talk about is, you know, life after death. So we used to stand out in the parking lot for an hour in the free in freezing weather talking about this stuff, you know. And that's one of the reasons that we started the foundation. So, well, there has to be a safe environment where people can go without being labeled or feeling judged and, and talk about these things. And that's kind of our, our philosophy.
0: Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And thank you for all that you've done. I I encourage listeners to watch the series. It was really revealing. You mentioned all the interviews you did and all the work you continue to do today. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Remember, before you go, ask yourself, do you want better sleep? How about better overall skin? Using Sota CBD products is one of the best things you can do for your overall wellness. Get your CBD-infused products from a company who uses proven scientific research to help support wellness and treat inflammatory skin diseases. SOTA CBD is giving our listeners twenty five percent off their first purchase. Just use coupon code Finding Genius at checkout. Save twenty five percent site wide. Go to sotaCBD dot com to shop SOTACBD.com.
1: You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs.